take a moment and stand so we can recognize you. All the moms that are in this house, would you take a stand for me, please? All the moms, come on, stand right up. Amen, amen. Now stay standing, stay standing. Gentlemen, this is your opportunity to see who's actually a mom and who's just a 15-year-old kid. It's a very awkward time for a lot of us. But I want to take a moment and make sure that we pray for you. So listen, if your family's around your mom, would you just lay a hand on her? If you're somebody close to her, would you just lay a hand on her, just on her, on her arm or you know, shoulder? Uh, we want to pray a special blessing over your life. It is a, an incredibly unique and powerful gift that God has given you to be a mom. But it's a gift that requires his power to accomplish. And so we want to pray that God's strength, God's wisdom, God's power would guide you and lead you, even if your kids aren't in the home anymore. You never stop being a mom. And so, Father, we just pray right now over each and every mother in this room. God, I pray a special blessing over each and every one of them, Lord. I pray your anointing would fall upon them. I pray your love would overwhelm them. Lord, I pray your wisdom will guide them. And every decision they need to make and every counsel they need to give, may it be through your wisdom, may it be through your strength, that it will never be an opinion of a mother, but it will be the word of God spoken through mom directly to the heart of their children. Father, I pray. I pray that you would bless their lives. I pray that you would bless their families. I pray that you would bless them in the areas that they seek you the most, where they need you the most. Lord, I just pray in this moment, on this day, but every day, that they would feel the unique, special pleasure that they have, the honor to stand before you and be called a mother. And Lord, I pray, especially even now, for all the women in this place who have yet to be a mom or maybe feel like they'll never be in that position. Lord, remind us that a mother is more than someone who gives birth. A mother is someone who cares. A mother is someone who leads. A mother is someone who raises up. So Lord, I just pray for every mother in this room, God. May we be who you called us to be. May they do what you called them to do. May they live how you called them to live. And we pray all this, God, in accordance to your name. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated, moms. Just, uh, just to reiterate, I know we mentioned there's a gift in the back for everyone who is a new person, and that, that's everybody. But also in the hallway, separate from what's in the back, we have this really great uh, photo booth area that, uh, where's Deacon Mark? Mark, you up in this house? Deacon Mark put together, he was worshiping earlier. He's, he's probably peeing. Um, but I gave him his dues. It's on camera. I gave him his dues, right? So Mark did a wonderful job of putting all that together. Where are you? Oh, he's hiding in the booth. All right, there you are. Uh, so, you know, Mark did a great job on that. And then moms, every mom in the house, you get a special little gift on your way out. Uh, what are they called? Succulent. That's a weird name for a plant. Um, but we got you succulents. And I remember the staff is the one that, that decided, hey, we should give succulents. And I'm like, why do they want a cactus? They're like, it's not a cactus, it's a plant. And, uh, and the way uh, Pastor Evelyn convinced me, she said, flowers die, but succulents, you can continue to grow. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one, Mom. And so our children's pastor came through and convinced, and uh, we're excited about that. Now, listen, I, I love Mother's Day. I am... 100% a mama's boy. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this earlier. If you go into my mom's room, there is a little popsicle stick sign that says mom with my picture in the middle. And you'll also notice there are no other popsicle stick signs in that house. 
Pastor Evelyn. So that's why, like, internally, she makes sure that your kids give you something. And so be careful how quickly you throw that thing out. They notice 38 years later. And so, uh, but I love Mother's Day. I'm so eternally grateful uh, for my mother and for my wife, the, the incredible mother that she is. And, and I was thinking about that. And I was thinking particularly about my mom. And you know, one of the greatest gifts she gave me and my sisters is her faith. Uh, unwavering, unshakable. I have never seen my mom without faith. It is just this incredibly powerful, unique thing that she has, and it's so incredibly powerful because it's been imparted on every one of her children. It was more than what she said. It's just the way that she lived in that faith, the way she always believed, the way she always trusted. No matter what situation our family was in, no matter what was happening, you can count on the steadfastness of my mother's faith, and, and even in seasons where, where I was not doing great and Pastor Evelyn was not doing great and my other two sisters were not doing great, there was this confidence and security in knowing, but mommy's praying for us. Or sometimes, mom's praying for us. But there was always that power behind her faith. And the, the funny thing is they often say that you marry someone very similar to your uh, parents, and I'm very fortunate that I married someone with that same level of faith. And so even in the season, I remember when my wife and I first got together and she found out that she had endometriosis, and we weren't sure if she would ever be able to have children. And for the first five years, we were unable to have children, and we, we'd have these conversations. And I'll be quite honest with you, uh, I was very content if that's what the Lord decided. Uh, you know, it, it's something that God gives us, but it's not something that completes us. You know, I was made complete in the Lord, and so I understood that. Was it a desire? Sure, but I also was content with whatever the Lord wanted to do, and, and I had a great example of what that looked like in Pastor Carlos and Yvonne, and, and I seen how they've been parents, and they're willows to my kids. I'm like, listen, I'll never miss parenting somebody, but my wife, on the other hand, she just, I remember, told me one day, she goes, no, I really believe the Lord has spoken to me and told me we would have a child, and so I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't hear that. I didn't get that from the Lord. But her faith was enough for me. I said, if that's what God spoke to you, then I trust that. And then I just was like, hey, listen, if it happens, it happens. But the Lord spoke to my wife, so I'm going to go ahead and trust that. And five years after that, God was like, bah, 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 bah. I just kept, <laughs> just kept throwing him out there. Like, I, was, I told somebody, you know what having a third child is like? Imagine you're drowning and then someone throws you a third child. <laughs> like, that's what that felt like in the moment. So mommy is home right now because she's on 12 minutes of sleep. And so thank you, my love. I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for you. Uh, but I, I'm talking about all that because I really want to dive in into the power of a mother's faith. And there's a number of, of wonderful examples in the Bible of that, but there's one particular that I think we should really dive into today, and it's found in Exodus chapter two. I wanna talk to you about the mother of Moses. Uh, later on in the Old Testament, we actually get her name, it's Jochebed, and uh, it's an incredible story what happens, but let me give you some background information. In Exodus chapter one, we find out uh, that the nation of Israel is in Egypt. This happened when Canaan had a famine and God had raised up Joseph to a very prominent position in Egypt, second in command and, and command of all of Egypt essentially, and he was able to store up grain and basically save the entire nation of Israel by bringing them into Egypt during a time of famine. 
again. But they kind of stuck around. You know, it's like some of your kids who said, I'm just coming back after college. And 15 years later, they're still there. And so uh, they started kind of growing and building. And then Pharaoh got really insecure. And he started looking at their numbers. And he thought, listen, they're multiplying too much. And they might get to a point where they're out of control. They might partner up with our enemies and become an internal enemy. And this is where you see a lot of prejudice and racism that uh, is, is historically in human nature. And so what he ends up doing is he makes a decree and he tells all the midwives to kill any male Jewish baby born. The actual decree was any male Jewish baby must be thrown and tossed into the Nile River. That was a decree to basically have genocide on all the males uh, of Israel. This is when Jochebed ends up having, uh, getting pregnant with her third child, a little boy who ends up becoming Moses, the savior of the nation of Israel, the one who brings them out of this whole area. The reason this book is called Exodus is because God used this young little baby in this incredible moment to do incredible things. But I want you to see how this all could have been derailed if not for the faith of a mother. Let's open up our Bibles to Exodus chapter two. I'm gonna read the first 10 verses. It says, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it along the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me. I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him up out of the water. Isn't it fitting? All the babies of Israel, all the Jews were to be thrown in the Nile. And Moses' very name is that I pulled you out of the Nile. I pulled you out of death. This man was so integral and incredibly important to the history of Israel, to the history of us. Uh, this is vital to the Jewish culture. Moses is almost at that Jesus level. For them it is because they haven't yet uh, revealed and opened their eyes to who the Messiah is. But in this situation, you got to understand, this is pivotal. And it could have all been for not had she done what was said. Had she not had the faith to trust the Lord with this child. Now again, you gotta put yourself in her shoes. Keeping Moses alive meant the potential of losing her entire family. It meant losing her husband's life, her life, and her two other children's life. She had a son named Aaron and a daughter named Miriam. So she's risking her whole life, her whole family's life, for this one child's life. Something about this child, and I do believe the Lord spoke to her, maybe not in an audible way, but she recognized there was something fine about this child. It's not that he was a cute baby. It's not that just she, she had a mother's love for him. She saw that there was a unique purpose in this child's life, and faith raised up within her to say, we have to keep this baby alive. And there's a few things that I think she gave us as an example of faith that are important, not just for the mothers in this room, but for everybody.
And the first thing is this. We have to be able to have faith over fear. Faith over fear. What does that mean? That doesn't mean you don't fear. Any parent knows there's fear, but the, the moment you find out you have a kid coming, there's some fear. There's some like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. How am I, I can barely take care of me. I'm supposed to take care of this. But there's fear with a lot of things. The first time you get into a new career, the first time you go into a new school, when you graduate, there's elation, and then suddenly there's fear of what's next. I mean, fear is something that all of us deal with. And what God is saying, God is saying here is he's not saying, hey, just don't have fear, because fear is very natural. It's a natural reaction. But he's calling us to be fearless, meaning less fear than faith. So our faith has to be able to rise up beyond our fear. Yes, I acknowledge and I recognize that I'm afraid but my faith is so much greater than my fear. My faith in God is greater than my fear of the situation and what might happen. Some of us might have fear over how we're gonna pay the bills this month, how we're gonna make ends meet, how we're gonna provide for our kids' uh, school, how we're gonna take care of our wife's situation. Like, there's this fear that wells up, and I'm telling you in this room, if there is fear in your heart, that's okay. Just make sure that your faith is greater than your fear. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it's um, colloquially known as the hall of faith. Just different people in the Bible that are just highlighted for their faith. Very few women are, are mentioned in this, but one in particular is Moses' mom. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. They were not afraid. Why? Because the faith overrode the fear. Listen, there's something powerful when faith overrides fear. And listen, I think we get that to a certain extent. I mean, especially for parents, there's those moments when your kid is going through something, you're not afraid anymore. I mean, how many stories have we heard of, of moms lifting buses or, or people jumping into pools who can't swim to save their children? I mean, when your child cries, there is a faith that wells up that supersedes any fear that you might have. So you're not sitting there going, I don't know, I'm kind of afraid of heights. No, my kid, like, I gotta go. It's just instinct. It's just natural. It just happens. And what I'm telling you is if you could tap into that faith, the faith in the Lord, not in your strength, not in your abilities, not in your uh, opportunity to try to make this all happen, but the faith that says, no, 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 we're gonna hide this child for three months. Now, why three months? Well, three months, they're not that loud. After three months, them lungs get some air in them, and, and it becomes a lot harder to hide the child. But could you imagine how terrifying it was for those three months? Everybody was an enemy, right? He declared it to the nation of Egypt, to the whole kingdom. So any Egyptian who might have heard the baby crying in the room could have meant potential death for the entire family. And yet, she had enough faith to recognize, no, there's an unusual anointing on this child. I have to risk it all for him. My point with a lot of this is, it's okay to have fear but it's not okay to lose faith. Hold on to faith, my friends. No matter how scary the situation is, no matter how much the enemy roars, let your faith rise up within you. Let your faith anchor in. And here's the truth. The measure of your faith comes when fear shows its face. That's when you find out how much real faith you have. Everybody has faith when nothing's going on. Easy to have faith when life is easy. You believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. But then what happened to Job? 
his faith was tested over and over and over again. But his faith rose higher than his fear and he trusted in the Lord. The second thing that I noticed with Jacbed is not only did she have faith over fear, but man, she had faith to let go and to let God do his thing. Think about this. Okay, three months, she's taking care of this baby. She's, she's making sure everything's going okay. And now she recognizes it's gotten to a point where I can't do anything else. And I really have to trust God in the next step. So I believe the Holy Spirit gives her insight and she puts a basket together and she puts pitch on it to float and she gets Moses ready and she grabs Moses, puts him in the basket, lays him in the Nile among the reeves. But at some point, she had to let go of the basket. This part's easy. I'm still in control. I'm still holding on. And now you're telling me to let go? Listen, some of us, the reason it's not in God's hands is because it's still in your hands. You're still holding on, in control, trying to figure it out, trying to make it happen, trying to manipulate the situation. Jockbed had enough faith to understand, I did all I can do, now I just have to have faith in God. And I'm telling you, that is the hardest thing in the world to do for a lot of us in this room, is to let go. Listen, Psalm 20, verse six through seven. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. One of the hardest things about faith is transferring the faith from you to God. Because a lot of us have faith in what we can do and our own abilities and our own strength and our own talents. Like, I got this. I can handle this. Like, I, if I just pick up an extra shift, if I just make sure that I do this, if I only sleep for 37 minutes, like, I can figure, I can do this. I got this. And what happens oftentimes is either life or the Lord puts you in a situation where you realize, I don't got this, I don't got this, I don't got this. And in those moments where you recognize, I don't got this, are you also willing to recognize, but God does? Yeah, I I may not be in control of the situation, but I serve the one who is. I I may not understand how all this is going to roll out. I have hope, I have faith, but the truth is, I have to trust God with this now. I made the basket, I put pitch on it, I raised this kid for three months, I did everything I can do, now I got to just let go. There's, There's crocodiles in the Nile River. Somebody else could have came up and snatched up the child. When I take my kids to the park, I am so ridiculously paranoid. I'm not like some of y'all that are just, hey, go do whatever you want, come back in 30 minutes. I'm just so like, you are next to me, in my eyesight, 24-7. Oh, you want to go for a walk? I'm going to send 15 people to walk with you that I trust, and then I'm going to watch you. Like, I'm just paranoid. I'm not yet ready to let go of that. My kids are three, one and a half, and a newborn. Listen, parents, some of you, your kid has come to a season where you got to let them go. And it's hard because you're like, but they're not walking with the Lord. They're not doing the right thing. They're, I understand, but you're not God. You did your job. You raised them up. You taught them the word of the Lord. You imparted your faith. And now you got to let go and trust the Lord. But, but, but pastor, would you come? I'm not, I'm not Jesus. What am I going to do? I'll pray with you. I'll preach. I'll communicate. I'll build a relationship as much as I can. But listen, those of you who have children who have left the home, There is a point where you got to let go and trust. Listen, I did what God called me to do. Those three months, I raised up that kid. It got to a point now where they're too loud to be in my house. And so now they got to (laughs) go. And I know many of you parents, because I've spoken to you, I know many of you worry. My kid told me they don't believe in God anymore. My kid's out there doing this and this and that. And my kid's in real deep trouble. My kid's really hurting themselves. And and listen, it hurts me too. 
I get that. But when I say we're praying for your child, and when I say child, I just mean your kid. It can be like a 57-year-old child. We're praying for them. But when I say that, I'm not saying like, well, there's nothing else we can do. There's nothing else we can do more importantly than that. Because it's about letting go and letting God. Lord, uh, some people trust in chariots and some in horses. I trust in you. Some people trust in systems. Some people trust in what they did. I trust in you. Listen, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. The problem with this verse is we love parts of it, but the parts that we skip are all and all. And you're like, I, I, I trust in the Lord with like a good chunk of my heart. No, no, it's all of your heart. Well, I, you know, I'm going to acknowledge him in most of my ways. Yeah, I didn't say most, did it? It said all of your ways. And some of you are wondering, well, how come I don't know what to do and what direction to go? And why does this path seem so crooked? Well, because maybe there's parts of your path that aren't illuminated because those are the parts of your path that you haven't handed over. You haven't trusted the Lord with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do we honestly think we know better than God when it comes to any of these situations? Here's, here's something that'll really blow your mind. As much as you love your own personal child, it pales in comparison to how much the Lord loves your child. Pales in comparison. You can't even, think about that. That boggles my mind because I think about how deeply I love my kids and to even assume, but God loves them more than me. It's hard for some of us to even fathom. But when you let go, you trust in the fact that I'm letting go, not to someone who doesn't care, but to someone who loves more than I could even love them. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. You can't say it's in God's hands and still be holding on to it, trying to make a way. If it's in God's hands, then it's no longer in your hands. Trust in the Lord. The third thing I recognize from Jacqueline is she had faith for the impossible. Faith is easy for the possible. And oftentimes, we only put our faith in things that we deem possible. So I'm gonna pray about this because I kind of think there's a good chance that it might happen. But faith is built for the impossible. Look at uh, this whole situation. Pharaoh's daughter is the one who finds the basket. All right, Jochebed is hoping a prominent Egyptian would find her son. That's the hope that she has. The Bible doesn't say that Moses was floating down the river. That's mostly in movies and cartoons where you see the basket just kind of aimlessly floating down the river. What the scripture tells us is that it was tucked in the reeds on the river. So it's kind of in place. It's not floating aimlessly around. And, and, and what you got to understand is as it's tucked in the reeds, it's very vulnerable. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter finds it. So what makes that impossible? Well, who's the one that ordered all the young men of Israel, all the newborns of Israel that are male, be murdered? Pharaoh. There's a good chance that his daughter thought the same way he thought or felt the same way he felt. Pharaoh was worried about what was happening. It would have been reasonable to assume that Pharaoh's daughter, upon finding the basket, would simply flip it over and let Moses drown. Why not? It's not like she didn't know he was a Hebrew baby. She looked at him and she said, this is one of those Jewish babies. Which, on a side note, tells me that Jochebed and her husband still circumcised Moses, which was an incredible covenant of holiness. So even in the, it would have been easier to not do it and hide him 
but they had this covenant with the Lord and said, no, we will make sure that our child lives in holiness. That has, has nothing to do with this much, but it's just such a powerful thought to consider that in the midst of literal death, they made sure that holiness was a priority in their home. Listen, instead of the impossible, God taps into Pharaoh's daughter maternal instinct. Think about this. She comes to the basket, she looks at it, and in that moment when she opens it, the Lord causes Moses to cry. And something with, we don't know if Pharaoh's daughter was a mom, but there was a maternal instinct that was placed in this mother to say, I know what my father said, and I know what we're supposed to do, but he's just a baby. And she lifted him up out of the water. The impossible made possible by the Lord to turn this woman's heart, to cause Moses to cry at just the right time, to allow a mother to, to let go. Bill Johnson once said, you know your mind is renewed when the impossible looks logical. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 says this. He replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You look at the reverse of this, what often this is saying is, some of us don't even have enough faith to make out the size of a mustard seed one of the, tall, the smallest seeds there is. I'm not saying you gotta have faith to cross the Red Sea, although that would be nice, <laughs> but you have to have enough faith that understands it may not be possible for me, but with God, all things are possible. And I'm gonna trust that this is what the Lord is telling me to do. And again, I wanna make sure that I preface that. This wasn't Jock Bed just kinda like, hey, you know what, if he lives, he lives. If he dies, he dies, let's, you know, let's give it a shot. I have to believe that it was the Spirit of God that was prompting her to do these things. That it was the Spirit of God that was moving her and empowering her and giving her the faith to trust in the Lord. Because that's the important thing about faith. Uh, faith is not a blind thing. Our faith is rooted in what we see in the personhood of Christ and what we hear from the voice of the Holy Spirit. Our faith is rooted in God. So it is not blind faith. We're not just walking aimlessly. So don't get me wrong. It's not faith to just say, listen, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to toss my hands up and God's going to pay these bills. I'm not even going to go to work. God's going to do a miracle because he can do the impossible. You know what's going to be impossible? Getting you another job. Like this isn't testing God like that. Okay. It's trusting God. We don't test God. We trust God. And so if God spoke it, then you stand on that. So if God speaks the impossible, if God says, you know, that child, that drug addict that's gone and lost, I'm bringing him home. But God, it's impossible. Not for you. Yes. Not for me. Because I'm just now looking like, here you got our former pastor, 18-year drug addict, sitting next to his mom. They didn't even know. Well, she found out because moms always find out. But the joy of the mother to see her son come back to the father. Like, again, it, it might seem impossible for you. And even now, a pastor, I've been praying for so long. That's okay. God's lived longer than you've been praying. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. To him, a thousand years is like a day. He's all right with you. The timetable is not the issue for God. But you, you hold on to the faith. Sometimes you need to have enough faith for those who don't have faith. It might seem impossible for you, but it's possible for my Lord. And then the fourth thing is this. Jochebed had to have faith in God's plan, not her own. You have to be able to have faith in God's plan. Well, what do I mean by that? Again, if you go back to the story, She's weaning him for three months, doesn't care what the king says. She has faith over fear. 
And then she realizes, I've done all I can do. So she makes this basket, puts Moses in it, and then she lets go, trusting in the Lord to do what he's gonna do. And she goes on and, and has faith in the impossible. The fact that Pharaoh's daughter, out of all people, right, this young man is gonna be raised up in royalty, is gonna be trained by the finest teachers and the finest civilization to that date. Like this is the impossible made possible. And she lets go and she trusts God in that. But if you follow the story, she picks him up. I love the ruse, man. I mean, Jock Bell, she wasn't no dummy. The daughter's sitting there, she pulls up. She's like, hey, oh, that's a Jewish baby. You want me to go get a wet nurse for him? Oh, yeah, go get a wet nurse. And mommy comes over, and she gets to wean her child, and she got paid for it. <laughs> Could you imagine? Hey, you know what? Stay home. We're going to pay you for that. Yes, man. Yes, absolutely. Cease, we got to find out if there's like a program for that. She gets paid to raise her own child, at least for the next few couple years. Most Jewish babies at that time were breastfed between two to three years. And so she has this opportunity to have three years with her child. And she's teaching him all about their Jewish culture. And she's instilling in him the values of the Lord. And she's making sure that her son knows what's up. And she's with this kid for three years. And again, I'm thinking about it like my daughter has been with me for three years. And to then take my three-year-old back to Pharaoh's daughter and say, now he's yours. See, had it been me, I'd have ran away. I'd have figured it out. Like, okay, oh, listen, uh, I think he's, he's done breastfeeding. Like, can we move? Yeah, yeah, next week I'll give it to you. And then I'd have been in Spain or whatever. Like, they, I'd, just been, I'd have dipped. I'd have been out. <laughs> Husband, we're going to figure something else out. But she trusted. There's something unusual about this situation. And it's not about me. It's about this child. Which, again, as I was praying about this and reading about it, it just gives me so much joy over mothers that have to make that difficult situation on a regular basis who understand, I, I can't raise this child, but I'm not going to take his life either. And so I'm going to give him up for adoption in the hopes that the Lord will guide them. Hard, hard, hard decision. And here she is, and she's understanding in this moment, I have to give him back to Pharaoh's daughter. And he will be raised up like a king. And he will be put in charge of many things, and he will be educated and fed. And, and I mean, everything that the Lord calls upon him will be given to him. What's it going to cost? It's going to cost me trusting in God's plan over my own. She gave him back. One of our most popular verses in this church is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Leave that verse up there because I want to point out a few things. It's God that knows the plan. You don't. I know the plans I have for you. That doesn't mean you know the plans I have for you. You don't need to know as long as God knows and that's all who needs to know. So I know the plans I have for you, even if you don't. And those plans are to prosper you. They're not to harm you. They're to give you hope in a future. Well, think about it in Jochebed's situation. She hands over Moses. You can put the verse down. She hands over Moses to Pharaoh's daughter, trusting in God's plan. Well, what does God's plan inevitably do? Moses ends up being raised up in the palace. A series of events happen, and Moses ends up encountering a burning bush one day where the Lord declares his purpose upon him that you are to go into Egypt and set my people free. And he goes in there, he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Pharaoh, all the plagues happen, y'all saw the movie, right? This whole thing goes down, he rushes out, and he saves the entire nation of Israel out of captivity, out of years of slavery, 400 years. 
years they were trapped in Egypt. And Moses is raised up out of this Nile River and he sets all these people free. They miraculously cross the Red Sea and it's this incredible moment. And guess what? His parents were there. His brother and sister were there. They crossed with him. They got, so hope in the future, my son is the one who's gonna set us free. Listen, you have no idea what'll happen when you let go and trust in God's plan. Because the Bible tells us, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. My plans are so much better than your plans. So much higher than your ways. But I want my son to do this or this is what I want for my life or, or this is how I think this, no, 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 no. You're dumb, shh. <laughs> I got a better plan for you. I know better than you do. And get, I want better for you than you do. But you gotta trust me. And you gotta let go. But my life wasn't supposed to end up like this. That's okay. My plan gives you hope in the future. So it can fix whatever past issues you have. And it can mend whatever strained emotions you have and whatever hurt feelings you have. The thing I love about God's plan is if it was only meant for God's glory, that's okay. But the fact that he says it's to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Listen, let me just be very frank. God's plan doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you in life. For you and I as believers, hope in the future is with the Lord. That's, the, that's what we're guaranteed with our salvation, that our hope and our future is secure eternally with the Lord. Whatever happens on this earth, think about it. Whatever happens in my lifetime pales in comparison to the span of an eternity. And my eternity is secure. So come what may in this season, I have faith that eventually God's plan will lead to not only my salvation, but my greatest desire, and I believe the Lord's desire, and the salvation of many others that through my life, God might use me that I might reach others. Listen, you might be a Moses in your community. You might be a Moses in your school. You might be a Moses in your classroom. You might be a Moses at your job. What do I mean? You might be the one that God has strategically placed to set captives free in that area. It may not be a whole nation, but it could be. What if you save your coworker and your coworker ends up living for the Lord and they end up raising their family in the way of the Lord and that kid ends up going to some nation that nobody knows the gospel and he preaches the gospel and all these tribes get, you don't understand the ripple effects of God's plan because your plan is only about your life when God's plan intertwines everything in humanity. So yes, you might be the Moses of your community, of your town, of your family, but you gotta trust that God's plan is greater than your plan. Worship team, if you can help me out. So, with all that said, what does that mean for you and I? It means a few things that I want to make sure we go through today. But the first thing is this. I'm going to help some of you out today. I'm sure you went out and you got a nice Mother's Day gift. Maybe you got some flowers. Maybe you got some brunch plans. Maybe you got them some nice things, things they like, clothes or whatever. I'm sure you did good. Some of you probably not so much, but they let it slide. They love you anyway. I'm about to give you the greatest Mother's Day gift you've ever seen. Because here's what I know. I know there's some of you here today. You're only here because mom asked you to come. I get that. I've done that. And you're like, listen, I'm here. I'm going to sit through the thing and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to appease mom and I'll make sure she's happy because all mom wants is for me to go to church. There might be some moms. You're only here because your kid invited you. 
And you're like, listen, it's important to my kid. I'm just going to come. You know, I'll appease them because I know they want me to go to church. Can I let you all in on a little secret, those of you who, who are new to all this? It's not that we want you in church. It's that we want you in heaven. That's the goal. And that's always been the goal. My greatest desire as a parent is that my children will know the Lord. That they'll walk in accordance to their faith in the Lord. And that we will be reunited on the other side of this life in heaven. That's my greatest joy. That's my greatest hope. I love what I do here. I love when I get to go and preach in thousands and do conventions and camps. And it's, a, it's an amazingly humble feeling to know that God has anointed me. But that pales in comparison to what I desire for my children. I would give it all up if it had meant that they, without a doubt, would know the Lord and walk with him forever. So I'm telling you today, this isn't just about appeasing mom or appeasing family members. It's not that they want it for you for them. They want it for you because they love you and they want you to experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna ask you, church, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. And if you're in this place and you recognize, Pastor, I have faith. I believe there's a God. I trust in that. I'm a good person, all the things that most people say. But I need you to know without a shadow of a doubt, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, what does that mean? That means I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and three days later rose again. Does that mean that you're not you know, struggling, that you don't have issues? No, none of that matters. None of that matters right now. Here's all that matters. Do you love me? And will you let me love you? Do you believe that I am who I say I am? And are you willing to start a relationship with me? All the other stuff, you and I will figure it out. But for every person in this room, again, this isn't about your mom and dad. This isn't about your parents, your brother, your sisters. This is about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who loves you more than anyone on this planet has ever loved you. And whose greatest desire is that you would love him in return by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So if you're here with nobody else looking around, it's between you and the Lord. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe for the first time, or maybe you want to rededicate your life because you've walked away. No matter the situation, you want to walk out of here, not just with the succulent, but with the confidence of knowing that I have a personal relationship with the living God and I am saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, sir, ma'am, would you just signal me by lifting up your hand as a step of faith? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else says, that's me. Thank you, Lord. One more moment. It's between you and God. Anyone else say, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Amen. Church, would you all stand with me? And let's pray this together with our, 
are brand new brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no magic in the word. There's nothing uniquely special about that, but uh, I want to make sure that you understand. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you are saved, guaranteed. You have the security of knowing that the Holy Spirit is in you and with you. So church, let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I thank you, God, for this moment where I confess my sins. And I ask you, God, to make me clean. Make me yours. Make me new. Help me, Father, to love you the way you love me. To live the way you've called me to live. To be all you've called me to be. I thank you, God, that you loved me before I loved you. And I pray, Lord, that you help me now to guide others to your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise? Now, while you're standing, just one more thing I want to do. Because I want to pray for the saints in the building. Where do you need God to stretch your faith in? To gain more faith than fear. To have enough faith to let go and let God. To have faith for the impossible. To have faith to trust God's plan. Listen, don't worry about time. Time doesn't matter. Listen, I'm just going to take this person. I don't mean to embarrass you, but Jenny, you don't know how long we prayed for you. How desperately we wanted you to know the Lord. And we knew your heart was for it. And we knew your daughter had faith that one day you would. But I know it was hard for her from time to time because her greatest desire was for you to know. She prayed for years. And today, her mother gave her life to the Lord. Listen, I'm, I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that as a way to encourage you. It doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter how crazy the situation is. It doesn't matter how impossible it seems. It doesn't matter how scary it is. None of that matters. Hold on to faith in the Lord and let it rise up within you and trust that God can do what you can never do for yourself. So come on, if you're in this place and you have a situation where you need God to raise up your faith, just lift up your hand right where you're here as a sign of faith, as a moment to trust the Lord, to say, God, there's a situation I'm in. It might be a family situation. It might be a financial situation. Whatever it is that, God, there is a need I have where faith needs to rise up. Heavenly Father, we pray right now, every individual who lifted up their hand to say, God, I need you. God, I trust you. God, I love you. But I need you to raise up faith within me, God. There are moments where I doubt. There are moments where I waver. There are moments where I'm uncertain. God, I pray for an increase of faith in your people. God, I pray for an increase of faith in your children. Let it rise up, Almighty King. Let them have faith greater than a mustard seed, O Lord Jesus. Show them, Almighty God, do this in such a way that their faith will increase, that they will love you and cherish you and worship you even greater than before because their faith proved true. Use them, Almighty King, for your honor and 
for your glory, oh God. Raise up faith over fear, almighty King. Give them faith for the impossible, oh Lord. Give them faith to let go and trust in your plan, oh God. Give us faith in this room, oh Lord, because we know that without faith, it is impossible to please you. So we need it, God, and we need it in abundance. Help us, almighty King, to do that in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.